Good morning again. I'm chipper because I'm about to go into a pretty depressing story. It's the story of God telling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. This is a pretty confusing story, one that leaves us with a lot of questions. God tells Abraham to do this, and the next day Abraham rises up and takes Isaac and his two servants, and he's on the way to Mount Moriah, where he plans to sacrifice his son. This text is troubling. It's theologically challenging. How do we reconcile God's command here with the overarching biblical message of God's love? When I was preparing this week, I found that some commentators said, don't preach this text. One even said, don't read it in the worship service. One resource that I went to that has the weekly readings for every week omitted this text altogether. Others have said that this passage is wrong, that God did not tell Abraham to do this, that somehow it's recorded incorrectly in our text. But those of us who take scripture seriously, those of us who believe that we can't just throw out the ones that we don't like, we're left wrestling with this. We're left trying to make sense of this account of Abraham willingly taking his child. This story doesn't fit our current sensibilities. It's completely outside of our comfort zone. Child sacrifice? That may have been a common practice in the ancient Near East in the time this story was written. But we certainly don't condone child sacrifice today. We may even question why it was ever considered acceptable. We believe in the sanctity of life. We proclaim that our children are our future, that all lives, young lives, matter. But if we're honest with ourselves, we still sacrifice children today. Consider Alan Curdy, the three-year-old boy who drowned when his boat that he was in with his parents and other Syrian refugees capsized in the Mediterranean Sea. Consider Canary Gentry Bowers, a 12-year-old from Chicago who was shot by a bullet that wasn't meant for her. Consider Nyla Lewis, the 16-month-old from Coney Island who died because her father did not want to take care of her and beat her to death. We may not go up on a mountain with a knife, but when we refuse to enact tougher gun laws, we are sacrificing our children. When we shun the refugee and tell them that they are not allowed in our country, we sacrifice the children. When we cut programs that enable parents to care properly for their families, we sacrifice our children. And not only do we sacrifice young children, we sacrifice many of God's children. We sacrifice those who are sick, those who are poor, those who are displaced. And unlike Abraham, we aren't sacrificing our children to the Most High God. We are sacrificing these people to the gods of money, to the gods of greed, to the gods of selfishness. Why do we do this? Do we believe that there is no other way? Have we bought into the notion that in, other, in order for some to have, others must go without? Have we accepted that there are going to be casualties of the system because that's the only way the system can work? Have we decided that there will always be poor people and so we shouldn't worry too much about trying to make their lives better? 
after all, Jesus did say this, right? That the poor will always be among us. Uh, One congressman recently publicly proclaimed that as justification for cutting Medicaid. But when Jesus said the poor will always be among us, he wasn't telling us to throw up our hands and resign ourselves to the way things are. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 15, where God outlined economic practices for a just community. God told them to forgive debts every seven years. And even then, there will always be poor people in the land. So God commanded them to be open-handed toward their fellow Israelites, to help those who are poor and needy. God commands us to be generous with the poor, not to take advantage of them, not to cut them off in order to balance the budget, not to force poor people to pull themselves up by non-existent bootstraps. After all, the existence of the poor is an indictment against us, not an indictment on God. God has provided enough for everyone, but we have created a system where some have and some have not. We don't provide for the poor because we're afraid that we won't have enough if we give a little to somebody else, that there won't be enough money, that there won't be enough food, that there won't be enough housing. But God has provided enough for all of God's children to have what we need. We throw away enough food each year to feed the world. We have the resources to provide housing, but we choose not to do it. But what God is calling us to do is to trust him. That's what Abraham did in this story. He trusted that God would provide even when he didn't know how. And Abraham exercised his faith. When God told Abraham to take Isaac to Moriah, Abraham did it. He started this journey. At a first read, this is upsetting. This is confusing. Why would he agree? But now, I think that Abraham moved by faith. He remembered the promise that God gave him, that he would have many nations under him. And so even though he was called to sacrifice his son, he believed that God would do something. But even though he moved by faith, that doesn't mean he didn't have fear. He feared losing his son as any typical parent fears losing a child. But he didn't let that fear stop him. He moved forward. After all, this wasn't the first time that God told Abraham to do something scary. When Abraham was 75, God told him to leave his home and his family and go to a place that God would show him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm 75, I'll go to places that I know with people that I know. But I don't know how willing I would be to go to a place that God hasn't even told me yet. Just go, and I'll tell you as you go. That was a scary thing, but Abraham did it. He left his family and he found a new home and God took care of him. And just as God took care of Abraham, God takes care of us. Sometimes we're afraid. Fear is natural. We all feel it sometimes. A friend of mine once said to me, Leslie, I wish I could be more like you. You're not afraid of anything. I said, I'm afraid all the time. Little do you know I'm a little bit afraid right now. But fear is misleading. We have to push past fear. Fear tells us that we can only do what we see or what we've done before. Fear tells us that there aren't enough resources to go around. Fear tells us that sharing with others will leave us in need. But we don't let fear stop us because the more we push through fear, the easier it becomes to do it. 
Abraham may have been afraid. He was confused about how the situation would work out. But he believed God's promise. When he and Isaac and the servants reached a point where he was going on without them, he told them, wait here. We will go and worship and be back. When Isaac inquired about a lamb for the burnt offering, Abraham replied that God would provide. Abraham didn't know what would happen. He didn't know if he would have to kill Isaac. But he trusted that God had a plan, even if he didn't understand it. This marks a big change for Abraham. Prior to this, Abraham's actions were rooted in his belief that he needed to make a difference. He pretended that his wife was his sister because he was afraid he would be killed. He and Sarah came up with a plan for him to have a baby with Hagar to try to help God with the promises. And we know how that plan worked out. One day Sarah came in with her hand on the hip and said, Abraham, she got to go. That didn't go so well. None of the situations that Abraham tried to fix worked out for him, but his mess-ups taught him that he needed to trust God. And trusting God is what we must do, even when we're afraid. Right now in our country, we don't know how we can ensure that everyone has health care. We don't know how we can balance the budget and still provide people with what they need. We're trying to figure out if we can maintain programs that create a safety net for people. And we're afraid that some people's prosperity depends on the poverty of others. But we can trust that God can and will provide. When Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, just in the nick of time, God came in and told him no, that that was not the plan. Abraham looked and he saw a ram in the bush. And often we're at our wit's end. We don't know what else we can do. We feel like we have to sacrifice something that's important or meaningful. And God comes in and says, here's the plan. Here's what you can do. God can provide us something unexpected, something outside of what's normally happened. Back in this day, it was common to sacrifice children to the gods to express one's devotion. While Abraham wouldn't have liked it, it would have been something other people had done. But here in this moment, God changes and says, I know this is what has always been done, but I'm offering you something different. But in order to receive the unexpected, we need faith. It's the kind of faith that allows us to put one foot in front of the other when we don't know exactly where we're going. This is the kind of faith that allows us to move outside of our comfort zone and to move beyond what is familiar. It's the kind of faith that reminds us that we don't have to sacrifice God's children for the greater, greater good. And not only do we need faith, but we need to be in the right place. The Bible says that Abraham and Isaac came to the place that God showed Abraham. And there they built an altar. Abraham was in the proper physical place, but he was also in the right spiritual place. He was in the place where he could hear God's voice. Even when he didn't know what God was up to, he didn't shut God out. He didn't say, well, this isn't going my way. This isn't what I want to hear, so I don't want to hear from God. He stayed tuned in to God's voice. And that was important because later he could hear that voice say, no, don't do this. This situation could have turned out very differently if Abraham had been in the wrong physical or spiritual place. If Abraham had been determined to go his own way, he could have missed the provision that God had for him. Likewise, we need to be in the place and space that God has called us to. We need to stay ready to hear God's voice, 
and ready to do what God says do. This might mean a change of plans. We might feel desperate, but we still have to trust because God's plan is better than any plan we can come up with. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts higher than our thoughts. And as the old folks used to say down south, while we're trying to figure it out, God is already working it out. So have faith. Trust God. You may have a situation in your own life where you're having a difficult time trusting God. You may be having a situation with your health. You may have a situation on your job. You may have a situation in your family. You may have a situation with your finances. Trust God. God has a plan. And Jehovah Jireh is ready to provide. Amen.